Welcome to Stony Brook on this nice, brisk morning. I am Pastor Jennifer Casey. I bring you greetings on behalf of our preacher of the day, Pastor David Hoffman, along with our Pastor Emeritus, Pastor Bob Thomas, who is enjoying a month away. So we wish Pastor Bob and his family well as they are um, enjoying some much-needed rest time together. As we begin our time together, you will find your connection card in your bulletin packet or online at stonybrook.church. Uh, this is a chance for you to share that you were in worship with us today. It's also a place where you can share any uh, prayer concerns with the congregation or, uh, or the staff. So I invite you at some point during the worship service to take a moment and complete the connection card. During the month of February, we're going to be having a toilet paper collection competition. Mm -hmm, thank you. Between the worship services. So the 8 a.m. and the 11 a.m. worship service are partnered together, and they're going to be competing against the 9.30 worship service. So pressure's on 9.30. Toilet paper is always a need at our partner pantries because individuals are not able to use money that they receive from government assistance to buy uh, paper products. And so that's a way that uh, Stony Brook can support our, our partner pantries and the toilet paper will be donated to uh, the NEMAP food pantry um, as well as Gahanna residents in need. You can bring your donations to the welcome area. You'll see the boxes out front and uh, place them in the appropriate boxes. And then at the end of the month, we will calculate who won the competition. So have fun with that over the next month. Uh, in the week of July 17th, we're going to be uh, going uh, to Appalachia for the Appalachian Service Project. If you or uh, your youth-aged child are interested in going, you can fill out the registration form that you can find online at stonybrook.church youth or by using the link that's in your weekly electronic newsletter. Uh, or you can contact Jason, Jason Sheldon, our Director of Youth Ministries, for any questions or for some more information on that. And then finally, registration for next school year is open for our Early Learning Center. So if you have somebody in your family who is preschool age and you are interested in enrolling them in the Early Learning Center, uh, you can do so now. You'll find the registration forms in a box outside in the, in the, um, in the Narthex out there. You can always see uh, Emily Obravic, the director of the Early Learning Center, for any questions or more information. You can find all of this information that I've shared with you, with, uh, along with so much more about the mission and ministries of Stony Brook Church, online at stonybrook.church or in your um, bulletin packet. I invite you now to turn your hearts and your minds uh, to our uh, bell choir as they lead us in our prelude and prepare us for worship.
I invite you to rise in body or in spirit as you are able for our call to worship. You will find your responses in bold on the screen. This is the message we have heard and declared to you. God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us continue worshiping by singing Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise. into a time of prayer, I uh, invite you to hold Char McCasland and her family in your hearts and prayers at the passing of Scotty this past week. As plans are made for his celebration of life, they will be shared with you. Let us enter into prayer. 900,000. What has happened? 900,000, it is utterly staggering. 900,000, how are we here? 
Forgive us, O God. Forgive us when we compare the number of deaths from this pandemic to other pandemics, to wars, to other human atrocities. Forgive us, O God, for our selfishness, our impatience, our presumptiveness, for the ways that we are short-tempered and disgusted by the empty shelves and the lack of help in stores. Forgive the ways we don't adhere to the advice of medical professionals. Forgive the ways we use and abuse our health system, our educational system, and all of our support and commerce systems. Forgive the ways we assume the worst about others, about the ways we expect resources to always be available, and how we fail to treat every single person as sacred. 900,000 deaths, each life a reflection of you, each life loved by someone, and countless others grieving over the life lost. Help us, O oh God, to see our shared humanity, our shared pain, our shared grief, our shared exhaustion. Zip our lips when we have the urge to complain. Calm our tempers when we want to lash out. Lead us to treat everyone as if they too have experienced a global trauma. Because in the midst of the pandemic, we all still experience the difficulties of life, grief over lives lost, changing relationships, unrealized dreams, difficult diagnoses. People are still living without homes, without enough food to eat, and without clean water. People are still lonely. People are still hurting. Turn us away from our selfishness, O oh God, and turn us toward you. Restore uh, in us a renewed hope that through our connection with others and our partnership in building your kingdom, your spirit is here living among us in the pain, in the joy, in every moment of our lives, and may we appreciate the forgiveness you offer freely to us and do the same for others. We pray all of this in the name of the one who reminds us to release the bitterness living inside by forgiving again and again and again. Amen. Praise to the name of the Father of light, one who listens and hears when I call. Every step he ordains, I will walk without fear. In his light I'll not stumble or fall. In his light, I'll not stumble or fall. 
its death Lift a life from the wasteland of Gurneen God alone can replenish With blessings untold Until into his light Thank you for that gift of music this day. Several scripture lessons that will help us as we continue on in our study of our sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. First, these familiar words from the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, verse 12. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. In these words from 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light... As he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And these words from later on in the Gospel of Matthew, the 18th chapter, verses 21 through 22. Then Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. Friends, this is the word of God for all God's children. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. Thou who art over us, thou who art one of us, thou who simply art, give each of us a pure heart that we may see thee, a humble heart that we may hear thee, a heart of love that we may serve thee, and most of all, a heart of faith that we may always abide in thee. This is our hope. This is our prayer this day. Amen. Today's section of the Lord's Prayer from the Gospel of Matthew is the longest and probably the most challenging of all the petitions for us to pray. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now, it may be challenging, but it's pretty clear what Jesus is trying to teach us. By praying this verse of Scripture, we readily, readily acknowledge our own need to be forgiven, and then in turn promise to work at forgiving others. Through the section of this prayer, Jesus is trying to instruct his disciples that they have been given the capacity to forgive as they themselves have experienced forgiveness. They are able to forgive because they too have been forgiven. Now I believe it's essential to realize that the ability to forgive doesn't originate with us. It will always be God's forgiveness. If my ability or capacity to forgive was based solely upon my efforts, I'm not sure how forgiving I would be of myself or of others. Mersalaw Volf, a professor of theology at Yale Divinity School, says this, it's so crucial to see our forgiving not simply as our own act, but as participation in God's forgiveness. Our forgiving is faulty. God's forgiveness is faultless. Our forgiving is provisional. God's is final. We forgive tenuously and tentatively. God forgives unhesitantly and definitively. The only way we dare forgive is by making our forgiveness transparent to God's and, and always open to revision. After all, our forgiveness is only possible as an echo of God's forgiveness. In the now 36-year-old comic strip, that makes me sound so old, Calvin and his tiger friend Hobbes are portrayed, and Calvin says to Hobbes, I feel bad that I called Susie names and hurt her feelings. I, I'm sorry I did it. Maybe you should apologize to her, Hobbes suggests. <laughs> Calvin ponders this for a moment and replies, I keep hoping there's a less obvious solution. <laughs> but friends, what does one who is forgiven do but forgive others. Jesus reveals to us that God expects that we will forgive others with the same grace and the same acceptance that, that we have received. 
God is able to forgive and love others even when we can't. God's abilities are beyond what we can dream, beyond what we can imagine. Now, I don't think that seeking or granting forgiveness is ever easy. It doesn't matter which side of the transaction we find ourselves. Jesus instructed his disciples that, that they were not on a level above with those whom they were called to serve and that they too must confess that they have fallen short. They must admit that they have debts that cannot be repaid, that they have sinned and separated themselves from God and, and from one another, that they at times have transgressed and failed to stay in the bounds of relationship, or as we have come to know it and pray, have trespassed and have broken boundaries. Now, just, just an aside, are there any attorneys in the room? <laughs> the word trespass seems like a, a safe and harmless word, unless, as I've discovered, you are an attorney, a judge, a legal scholar, or understand criminal or tort law. To trespass, at least in legal terms, is pretty involved. It's, it's complicated, and it carries with it the weight of, of law. It's a word that cannot be taken lightly. And although Cal Calvin describes forgiveness as, as something obvious, forgiveness doesn't make sense as we attempt to calculate the outcomes of our interactions, whether that is forgiving debts or sins or, or transgressions or trespasses. And mostly, if we are honest, we want something to net out in our favor when it comes to forgiveness. There's something almost inherent in us that we would rather see others getting what they deserve or, or paying the price or, or feeling the weight of their actions besides being offered and granted forgiveness. That is, as long as the same rules and consequences don't apply to us. <laughs> but admittedly, today's section of scripture is not as concrete as last week's text about bread. <laughs> and apparently we cannot even quantify it. The text from the Gospel of Matthew read moments ago can help us understand the nature of God's forgiveness. Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, no, not seven times, but I tell you 77 times. Can you imagine the disciples' response to Jesus' answer to his question of how often they should forgive? They, they were confounded. Not seven times, which sounds pretty reasonable, but 70 times seven that's where the math gets a little difficult. I wish I would have paid more attention in math class. <laughs> but here, Jesus is, is teaching, trying to teach his disciples and us that if you want to worry about how forgiving you should be, then you haven't even begun to understand the nature of forgiveness. For Jesus, forgiveness was about giving up power. When someone is in our debt, we have some control over them. 
When we forgive, we give up that power. One commentator says it this way, forgiveness and being forgiven are about letting, letting go of control, accepting that debts can never really be squared or repaid. We are not to be so bent on getting things squared, getting even forever, keeping score of what is owed to us or how, how we can collect that grace and forgiveness never even enter into the equation. You see, God has shown us a different way. God has shown us another way. God, through Christ, has forgiven us. And it doesn't matter if it's seven times or 77 times or 491 times. That's 70 times seven plus one. I can do some math. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Forgiveness is still God's way. It's God's only way. And how do we know when we've reached the 490th chance at forgiveness anyway? But when conveying Jesus' prayer to us, the gospel of Luke uses the word sins while Matthew uses the word debts. And it's worth pondering what this means literally as an economic reality for Matthew and his community as well as in the spiritual and metaphorical sense. Imagine having the capacity and the generosity to forgive monetary debt and the impact that that would make on another's life. The impact that would make on those around us. It would make quite a difference in someone's life. And friends, if we are only asking God to forgive us to the extent that we can forgive others, we may be in trouble. You see, God forgives differently than we forgive. I'm not even sure that God keeps track. And like the petitions that we have examined so far, this section reminds us that this that that the Lord's Prayer is not a selfish prayer. It's a prayer for all of us and not a prayer for us to get what we want. It's a prayer for all of us to get aligned with what God wants. It is a prayer to bend our wants and our will and our desires to what God wants and what God wills for our lives. And as we have acknowledged in the previous weeks, this is not just an individual ask. This is the model prayer for us as a community, as a congregation. This forgiveness business is not about getting right with God to bring our kingdom on earth, but changing the values and the norms so that God's kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. It's not just my individual trespasses, but the trespasses as a church, as as an institution that requires us to seek and offer forgiveness. Think for a moment about the words that we always pray as we prepare ourselves to receive Holy Communion. 
It's a corporate prayer of confession, not, not just an individual prayer, asking God to forgive us for the ways in which we have not been successful in bringing God's kingdom here on earth. By praying this prayer, we confess our acts of commission, the things that we have done, and our acts of omission, where we have seen a need and where we have failed to act. Do you remember the prayer? Do you know it by heart? Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Friends, it's an important prayer. We acknowledge that, that we still have work to do to be and become what God has called us to be. It is a prayer of the church that can help us to remember the tasks that God has set before us. And following the prayer of confession, we hear these words of assurance, these words of pardon, Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, and that proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Each time that we pray this prayer or the petition of the Lord's prayer found in today's text, we have the opportunity to receive God's daily daily forgiveness and the opportunity to begin again. Free us. Free us for joyful obedience that we might be and become what you have called us to be, a place where all can experience God's love, God's forgiveness, and God's acceptance. Let me leave you with this image as we strive to be the people of God who seek forgiveness and work to forgive and love others. Friends, if our fists are clenched, if our arms are folded tightly around ourselves, We cannot hold anything. But once we give love, we become a candidate for receiving love. Once we open up our hands, we can receive. As St. Augustine says, God gives where God finds empty hands. May it be so. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those 
who trespass against us. Amen. We have been freed for joyful obedience. And one of the ways that we give joyfully is through our benevolence fund. As is the custom here at Stony Brook Church on Communion Sundays, we take a special offering to support our benevolence fund. Our benevolence fund helps support those in our community who need help with rental assistance and keeping the utilities on. We are grateful for all of the ways that you give of yourselves to God through the mission and ministries of Stony Brook Church. I invite you to rise as you are able as we sing our doxology together. God, we come before you today with empty hands, giving back to you that which you first gave to us. We ask that you bless these gifts, multiply them, move them through our community and beyond, so that all who come to receive them know of the ways that you forgive abundantly each and every one of us, so that we may be freed for joyful obedience. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I invite you to be seated. As we move to the table of grace today, we will be, uh, the congregational responses throughout the communion liturgy will be sung. Our um, musicians will lead us in that today. But first, a time of confession and pardon. Christ our Lord invites to this table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear this good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. 
Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through the prophets. And so, with your people on earth and all of the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending is your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with the sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by the water and the Spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, He took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on each of us gathered here and upon the families that we represent. And pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us a body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. 
By your Holy Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all your world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at that heavenly banquet together through your Son, Jesus Christ, with your Holy Spirit and your Holy Church. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, both now and forever. And now, with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the same loaf. The bread in which we break and share is a sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks and share is a sharing in the blood of Christ. Friends, these are God's gifts for us, God's people. This table is open to all those gathered here and those joining us online. You're invited to share in this holy sacrament whether or not you're a member of this or of any congregation. Gluten-free elements are available for those who need them. And as you come forward this day, you'll be offered some hand sanitizer and then given a piece of cut bread and invited to take a cup of juice. Prepackaged elements are available for those who prefer to use them. I invite those who are serving to come forward at this time.
It is that love and that peace that comes from God that, that permeates our lives, that goes beyond our, our understanding, our wildest beliefs, that love and that peace that we are called to share with others. Let us go forth with the courage and the strength to be known as those who bear Christ's love to this hurting world. Let us go in God's care. Amen.